of this building today and said, Cross Church is no more. What effect would it have on this community? What effect would it have on this province, this country, this world? I would suggest to you today that this church is filling a big role in the world today. And you say, Pastor, that sounds awfully lofty. To make such a claim, truly, really? By the end of this message, I hope that you'll agree with me that this church has got a big, big role to play in this world. I asked the question, why cross church? And after the service this morning, uh, Kevin Lamaru, a member of parliament for our area, came to me and said, Pastor Allen, if it wasn't for cross church, he said, I wouldn't be a member of parliament in, in Ottawa. Thank you to cross church. Why cross church? I would answer, it's because we're going into the world. Why cross church? Because we're going into the world. Here's what Jesus said in what we call the the Great Commission. If you read it with me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These were Jesus' last words to his disciples before ascending into heaven. Just before he left. These are the words that would be ringing in their ears, as it were. Now, those of you who have attended this church for any number of years know that this is a common message and a common theme here. And the reason it's a common theme here is because if we're going to be true followers of Jesus Christ, then we have to do what he says. And everybody said... That didn't sound like everybody. And everybody said, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we believe, we believe that Jesus has called us to follow him and to do what he says. In fact, it says in in John, I think John chapter 14, it says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And so here's the thing. The evidence of our love for Christ is our obedience to his command. And the last command that he gave before Leaving this earth, he said, go into all the world. Make disciples of all the nations. Now, I want you to note that in my Bible, and I'm, I'm 100% sure in your Bible as well, there is no asterisk beside the word nations. There's no footnote that says, uh, go and make this disciples of, of your neighborhood only, or just of Winnipeg, or just of Manitoba. You see, some people have this idea or this notion that, you know, world missions is fine, but it's not for me. World missions is good for some churches, but I'm focusing on, on just my community or just on my city or just on my province. We'll let somebody else do that work. If you have that mentality or if you have that notion, I want you to disabuse yourself of that notion right now today. Because the fact of the matter is, is that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to take seriously this call to go make disciples of all nations. So maybe some of you are now are scratching your head and trying to say, well, Pastor, um, are you saying that, are you, which one should I do? Are you saying I should just worry about the nations and then not worry about what's happening here? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. Sometime back, you may have heard me uh, give this quote, the famous 
pastor who had a heart for missions, Oswald uh, Chambers or Saunders. He said, he said this, the light that shines furthest shines brightest at home. Last week we had Tom Turner stand here beside me and tell how his boss is getting behind the work that he's going to do in Burundi. And then, and then his boss says this, he says, and you have my permission, Tom, to tell all 60 of the employees in the company about the work that you're going to do, and you have my permission to ask those 60 people for support for your work. Now, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart now. If Tom never made a decision to go to Africa, he never would, have, never would have had the opportunity to tell the 60 people that he works with but what's on his heart. He never would have the opportunity to tell those 60 people he works with about his commitment to bringing Jesus to a hurting world. This is always what happens. The light that shines furthest shines brightest at home. We become aware of need when we start looking at the need out there. Jesus has called us as his followers, as his disciples, to obey him. And the way that we obey him is going into the world. Jesus didn't say, just take, just take the message to your family and your friends, and that's good enough. He didn't say that. Just take it to your city. Take it where? To the world. Take it where? Say it one more time. Take it where? Yeah. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to take it to the world. You've got to be involved in taking it to the world. Now, here's the temptation. The temptation is this. You know, we gave, we gave over a quarter million to missions last year, raising support to send 29 people out and, 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 and fund the water project and send a big container full of stuff. You know, we could say, well, you know, we've done it, and now this year we'll do something else. That's the temptation. At least it's a temptation for me, because frankly... I did a missions trip, and I'd be happy now to go on a cruise. <laughs> but this summer, I'm, I'm committed to going to the Philippines and to Burundi. Why? It's because I want to be a world traveler? No, not really. If I was going to go world traveling, it wouldn't be there. It would probably be uh, to, to Europe or to uh, Fiji or to Fiji, <laughs> somewhere around that area. God has called us to go. And it's not a one-time event. It's, it's got to become a habit to reach out to a broken and hurting world. Some of you went to Zambia last year, some to Chihuahua, some to Kitwe, and you say, you know what, I've, I've done my thing now. It's time for something new. No, this is, this is, this is not the end, folks. It's the beginning. It's the start of something new that God has birthed in your heart. You came to the banquet last year and you invited people to the banquet last year. Well, guess what? You've got to come this year as well to help support the others who are going. Why? Because Jesus commanded. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Listen, if you're not going, then you need to be sending. Does this make sense? If you can't go, then you need to make it possible to send others. Why? Because this fulfills the command of Christ. This church, I did some... Uh, just, Got our pen and started writing down different countries that our church has been involved in. And it's absolutely staggering. Listen to this. 
In fact, after the service, I asked Sarah, so what part of the message did you like this morning? And I do that just to make sure my kids are listening. And so I, I might do that to some of you, actually, after the service. So you better listen. I said, what part did you like? She said, the part where you talked about the countries that our church went to. So here's, here's some of the countries that we have been involved in, that we have, have participated in reaching. Um, Mexico, Zambia, First Nations up north. Uh, Israel, Romania, Cuba, the USA. Yeah, we've even done some mission work in the USA. Can you believe that? China. How many know the USA needs missionaries? How many know Canada needs missionaries? China, Indonesia, Australia, the Ukraine, Haiti, India, Thailand, Kenya, Tanzania, Brazil, Uganda, Liberia, Burundi, the Philippines, and Russia. We, our church, has, has had... Involvement in all these nations, bringing the gospel truth. So when we ask the, ask the question, why cross church? It's because we're going to the world in obedience to Jesus Christ. And I can tell you this, that, and I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can say this uh, without, without exaggerating at all. The majority of churches are not doing this. The majority of churches just are not serious about doing what Jesus Christ has commanded. And that's going into all the world. Now, I want to just tell you why we need to go into all the world. And the first reason that we need to go into the world is because the church, the message of the church, the message of Jesus Christ is in fact the hope of the world. The world needs this message. The world needs to hear about Jesus Christ. Back before Jesus came to this earth, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. Some of you may have heard of him. Isaiah is one of the, the most famous of the prophets because he speaks extensively about the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And look what, look what Isaiah is prophesying. Remember, Isaiah as a prophet is speaking forth the word of God or speaking forth God's word to us. He is actually the mouthpiece or the channel of God's message to humanity. And look, at, look what Isaiah is saying. Look what God is saying through Isaiah. And if you read that with me. Look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. So do you get this today? God sent his son Jesus to bring justice to the nations. Now some people are under the, are under the impression that the Old Testament is all about a God who only loves Jewish people. The Old Testament is about a God who only cares about his chosen ones or the seed of Abraham, the offspring of Abraham. If you've read your Old Testament like that, people, then you do not get what it's really all about. God raised up a people through the offspring of Abraham so that, look at, so that they would be a light to the nations. So that through Israel, the whole world could come to, come to know the God that we serve, that we love and serve. If you don't understand that, then you really don't understand the Old Testament. And you don't understand the significance of God's chosen people. When God gave instructions to Moses to build the temple, part of that temple construct was actually a court that they called the court of the Gentiles. Why would they build 
of court of the Gentiles if God hated the Gentiles. I'll tell you why. Because God was making room. In God's economy, he was making room for people who did not know him to come to him and get to know him. This has always been the heart of God. This has always been the heartbeat of our Lord. He loves the nations. In fact, you know this already because you've heard John 3.16. If you haven't seen it at a football game or a hockey game or on, uh, written under somebody's eyes, uh, maybe you learned it in Sunday school. And what, is it, what does it say? For God so loved the world. This is the heartbeat of God. And it's always been that way from Genesis to Revelation. It's a story of God's love for this world. And our job is now to find out what is it that God wants us to do in response to his love for the world. Let me ask you the question this morning. What is it that you're doing in response to God's love for the world? Are you obeying him? Are you following him? Well, look at this. He will bring justice to the nations. How does he do that? In the video here, you saw that there is a plan A, but there is no plan B. What is the plan A? The plan A is simple. God takes and uses you and me as his ambassadors to go and bring justice to the nations. That's our job. And that's what Christianity has done through the ages. For 2,000 years, it's been the church that has gone out and built hospitals and built schools and brought justice to a world that we, that we call pagan, a world that does not know God, a world that is in darkness. And so when we say that the church is the hope of the world, what we're saying is it's God's people who are responding to God's call to bring justice to the world. Let me just give you a few examples. Many of us know that slavery came to the end, came to an end somewhere uh, in the middle 1800s. What a lot of people don't know is that it were it was actually Christians that it was a church that rose up and led the charge. Has anybody heard of William Wilberforce? In the first service, I said he is my favorite politician, and then Kevin Lammer is my second favorite. William, William Wilberforce, for 50 years, fought against slavery. He stood up in the House of Commons there in England, and he proclaimed that it was evil. It was an evil that was a, uh, it was a dark blot on the, on the face of, of England and the British people. And he fought, and he fought. And he was ridiculed. They made fun of him in the newspapers. They lampooned him. They, the, the, everybody in Parliament came down. They yelled at him. They shuttered him down. But William Wilberforce, being compelled by this call of, of God to bring justice to the nations, would not stop in his crusade to stop slavery. Through William Wilberforce, God raised up others who were challenged by that message. And we find, in fact, prior to that, we find John Wesley riding throughout the land of, of, of England preaching against slavery. 
We read stories of how John Wesley, had people were throwing stones at him as he's riding through on his horse and, and rotten fruit, anything to stop this man, to shut him up. But why on earth would John Wesley put himself in danger and ride throughout the land at the, cause, at the possibility of losing his life? Well, you see, he was compelled by the command of Christ to go into the nations and to bring hope. And just before William Wilberforce died, some of you may know this, Britain voted to put an end to slavery. And slavery was no more because of the influence of Christians who said, I'm going to obey the call of God. I'm going to do what God says. We read about the Moravian Brethren. Some of you may have heard of them. They were a group of very dedicated, radical Christians back in the late 1600s, early 1700s. They were so, so moved by the, the plight of the slaves, especially in the West Indies. They felt that, that God was calling them to go to the West Indies and win these slaves for Jesus. The problem is, is that there was no way on earth that any of the slave owners would allow anybody to come and preach the gospel to these slaves. So you know what they did? They said, we will sell ourselves into slavery so that we can preach the gospel to these slaves. And that's exactly what the Moravian Brethren did. They went, some of them died of, of malaria, died of illnesses of all sorts, but they took seriously the call of God to go and minister to the slave. And listen to me. This is the heritage. This is our great heritage. This is the, the great Christian heritage that you don't hear about anymore because it's not comfortable, it's maybe not exactly attractive, it's not maybe what you want to hear about. You'd rather come to church maybe and just say, Pastor, pat me on the back, make me feel good, send me on my way, and I just, I just want to be happy. My job is not to necessarily make you happy. As one preacher said, my job is to make the comfortable uncomfortable and make the uncomfortable comfortable. The truth is, friends, is that Jesus has called us to, be, to, to engage in bringing justice and life and hope to a broken and hurting world. And my question is this. If you call yourself a believer today, what are you doing? If I came and singled you out and said, as a Christian, may I ask you, what are you doing to make this world a better place? Would you have an answer for me? Well, can I just tell you this? Someday you are going to stand before Jesus and you are going to have to answer that question. I can hear pin drop. You're going to have to stand before Jesus someday and you're going to have to answer that question. What did you do? In response to the command to go into the nations, bring justice, bring hope. You see, the, the serious church, the serious believer, the serious Christian takes this call of God very seriously. This is why we at this church have these banquets, and this is why we say, give a donation of $60. Look, if you think of 60 bucks in the course of a whole year, we're talking about just pennies a day. It's a small amount in response to God's call to make this world a better place. So what are you doing? It's been the church that has led the way in bringing literacy to the world. This is, this is a, bringing literacy to the world is 
sort of a, the, a new hobby horse in terms of, of social work. We want to bring literacy and, 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 uh, and here's something that one of the websites I visited this morning said about literacy. They said 800 million adults can't read or write. Literacy is essential if we are to eradicate poverty at home and abroad, to improve infant mortality rates, address gender inequality, and create sustainable development. Without literacy skills, the abilities to read, to write, to do math, to solve problems, and to access and use technology, today's uh, adults will struggle to take part in the world around them and fail to reach their full potential as parents, community members, and employees. Unless they know how to read and write. Well, guess what, friends? The church has been doing this for hundreds of years. We understand that. We, we're the ones that have led the way in bringing literacy to the masses, to put an end to poverty. We're the ones that have gone out and, and taught people in third world countries how to do farming so that they can get the most off of their land, to raise the level of, of uh, abundance and prosperity and put an end to poverty. It's been the church that's done that. And that's why we do what we do. That's why cross church. Because we take seriously this call to put an end to injustice in this world. The church has gone throughout the world building clinics and hospitals. If you go to most third world countries and ask for a hospital, it will likely be called Saint this or Saint that or Saint whatever. In fact, Jesse, our son Jesse, when we were in Thessaloniki, he was born in a hospital called Agus Lucas, or St. Luke. It was built by Presbyterian missionaries who came to Greece to ease the pain and the suffering and the disease of the Greek people back 100 years ago. This is what the church does. This past summer, we sent a medical team to Kitwe. And every time I think of this, it just blesses my socks off. Our medical team went in there and they examined all these kids. They gave them uh, the, the, the deworming medicine, um, examined these kids to see how they're doing, where they're at. One of the kids that came was a young girl who was going blind. And Dr. Shane asked her, why, why don't you do something about this? And she said, I can't afford it. I can't afford to get the medication I need or the operation. I'm not sure which it was, medication. or, But at any rate, it was too expensive. You know what Shane said? He says, well, you know, we're going to pay for it. We're, we're going to take care of this. This woman who didn't have a hope yesterday, today comes to the clinic, and suddenly she's given the good news that this church in Canada has sent out a team representing Jesus Christ to bring hope and justice in the midst of poverty disease and sickness. Our church is instrumental in making sure that a young girl in, in Zambia didn't go blind. Folks, this is what the church does. This is what we're about. Why cross church? So that that girl in Zambia didn't have to go blind. Why cross church? So that village in Kitwe could have a, a brand new water system. Our church made that possible. It's what we do. 
I'll tell you why. Because God hates injustice. He hates poverty. He hates disease. He hates sickness. He hates evil. He hates darkness. And you and I have been called to go and bring light to a dark and broken and hurting world. We go and bring our value system to a broken and hurting world. When we were in Chihuahua, we didn't realize this until just about the end of our time there, but all the food that we were buying, uh, we, we spent hundreds of dollars on food. We didn't realize it until the end, but, but the food was being stolen by some of the people that we were ministering to. Now, I'm going to tell you, the first, the first gut reaction is to teach them a lesson. How dare you steal our food? We've come here to feed you. Don't steal our food. You see, there's something else that you and I need to understand. We're not just a social operation. We're also an operation that brings good news. Look at, look at what Jesus says here. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. So in bringing, in bringing justice to a broken and hurting world, in bringing light and help and healing and hope, this is all great, but it's not enough. How many understand that today? Back in 1983, I mentioned this the other day, in 1983, the PAOC developed an organization called Emergency Relief and Development Organization. And there were some pastors who were really worried about this because they were afraid that we were going to be an organization that only met social needs. They cautioned and warned and said, remember that more important than filling people's bellies and healing people and making people better and, making, and bringing justice, more important than even that is that Jesus Christ come to the hearts of those who are lost and don't know the way. And so the decision was made that we would be careful that in reaching out to the needs of people, we would not forget but the most important thing of all was that they needed to hear the good news. And what is that good news? Jesus says, the good news about the kingdom, what does that mean? Well, it simply means this. is that Jesus has come to this earth as a Savior to give you and I relief from our guilt and shame and to wash away our sins and to cleanse us and make, it, make us as people who have never sinned. But it goes beyond that. He has come to rule in the hearts of men and women. That's the good news of the kingdom. Jesus has come to rule in our hearts. That, my friends, is the most important message that we can bring to a broken and hurting world. Now, can you imagine what this world would be like if everyone bent their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ? What a world it would be. Jeff is the, is the dictator in Cuba. And I am the dictator in Venezuela. We're at war with each other. We hate each other's guts. I want what he's got. He wants what I've got. 
We're at war with each other. Jeff becomes a Christian. I become a Christian. I surrender my life to Christ. He surrenders his life to Christ. What happens then? Peace. You want to know the answer to world peace? Is that men and women will surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. That's the only way that peace will come to this world. You can come up with any program you want. But I would tell you this. It's not a political party that's going to meet the needs of this world. It's not social programs that are going to meet the needs of this world. It's going to be Jesus Christ that meets the needs of this world. It's when people come to Jesus Christ in full surrender and say, I will acknowledge you, I will surrender my life to you, Lord Jesus. I will acknowledge you as my Lord and my King. That's what changes the world. Now, I'm going to tell you this. It, in some cases, that's happened. I, Dennis was saying that the ruler of Burundi is, in fact, a Christian man. Is that right, Dennis? So hopefully when we go to Burundi, we'll be able to meet that man. What would happen if the rulers of these third world nations, these nations that are fighting each other, what would happen if they came to Christ? It would be a very different world. Well, the Bible says this. In fact, someday, it says this in Philippians, someday every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the gospel message. This is the life transforming message. This is the message that the world needs to hear. And the way that the world is going to hear that, friend, is through you and me. From you and I getting serious about doing the work that Jesus Christ has called us to do. Now, can I just say this to you this morning? What makes a society or a nation good is that if it's made up of good people. I think everybody can figure that out. The problem is, is how do you get the people to be good? See, we treat the symptoms. We try to make society better by introducing all kinds of new programs. And, you know, we need more education and, and we need more money and, and more, less poverty. That will make the world a better place. Listen, what will make the world a better place is that people have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and live according to his laws and his commands. Nothing's changed. And this, my friend, is why we go to the nations. This is why we take seriously this call to make a difference in Burundi. Anybody know anything about Burundi? Taryn tells me that it's the fourth poorest nation on the face of this earth. I think, Dennis, you were saying that the, that the unemployment rate is over, over 70%. We're talking about absolute poverty. It wasn't that many years ago that Burundi experienced genocide with people, a massive civil war, hundreds of thousands slaughtering each other. What would happen if Jesus Christ came to that nation? What would happen if a whole generation were raised up, living a life in full surrender to Jesus Christ? Folks, that is what Cross Church is going to Burundi to do this summer. We are going to impact, to influence a whole nation. This is an incredible opportunity. I can tell you, people don't really want to go there because it interrupts their security and their happiness and their way of life. The pastor, send somebody else, but don't ask me. Here's five bucks, Pastor. Go make a difference in Burundi. Come on. 
People, do you take seriously the call of Jesus Christ to go and change the world? We're just maybe crazy enough here, I don't know. We're just maybe crazy enough where we believe that God could use this church to influence a whole generation in Burundi. And that's where we're going. We want to raise funds so that we can buy some property, so that we can educate and train and prepare the next generation and infuse into them the very values of Jesus Christ that has actually made this country what it is today. Why do you think people from all over this world are coming to Canada? Why do you think you're you're breaking down the doors to get here? I'll tell you why, people, because they see here law and justice. They see in this country a prosperity. They see here freedom and equality. This is a safe place to live. How did it get this way? I'll tell you how it got this way. This nation, in fact, all Western nations, built upon the values of what we call the Judeo-Christian value. And it has made us who we are and made us what we are. And let me tell you this, we're, we're quickly losing it, people. How many know that today? I don't know how much longer we're going to have it as good as it has been, but it's getting bad now. And the reason why is because we've run away from those old values, those old Christian values of honesty and, and justice and fairness. And don't lie, don't kill, don't, don't commit adultery, and on and on it goes. This value system, what we call the Judeo-Christian uh, ethic or, or law system, this, my friends, is what has shaped us and made us who we are today. It's built on the Scripture. And this is what that world out there is looking for. They're looking for the values that we have. And God is calling us to go and export these values to that third world, those third world countries. Can you imagine a whole generation that grows up hearing about Jesus Christ, about the law of love, the law of putting others first, the law of serving one another? What a fantastic opportunity that's ours. And God giving me the strength I will fight for this. I will lead you forward in this. I will ask of you. I will maybe twist your arm a little bit, but I'm going to say, get on board, people. We can make a difference in this world. That's why Cross Church is here today. This is why we've stood the test of time. This is why this little church in the, in the core area of Winnipeg is, is one of the greatest mission-giving churches in this city. It's because we believe that God's called us to make a difference in this world. If you're here to play games with God, then this is not the place. But if you're serious about following Jesus Christ with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then you've come to the right place. Because there's things to do. There's lives that have got to be changed. There's souls that have got to be saved. There's people that need to be influenced for Christ. That's why we're here, people. Max Weber, great uh, sociologist and economist back in the 1930s, talks about the Protestant work ethic. You know what he said? He said the reason that, that the West is wealthy is because they have been influenced by this Protestant work ethic. What is it? What is the Protestant work ethic? What does this mean? It means that there's a group of people who take seriously this idea of bringing Christianity with them wherever they go. In other words, Christianity is not just something that happens on Sunday when you go to church. It's not just something, it's not just a few actions and a few liturgies that we, that we go through. It's, it's a Christianity that we take with us wherever we go and whatever we say. Here's what Max Weber says. He says, the Reformation profoundly affected the view of work 
dignifying even the most mundane professions as adding to the common good and thus blessed by God as much as any sacred calling. So what he's saying is, is that whatever it is that you do for a living is, is as sacred as what I do for a living. The idea was for so many years that you have to be a priest if you're going to be if you're going to truly be doing something significant and sacred. But the Protestant Reformation came along and said, "Uh uh-uh, that's wrong. Anybody who calls himself or herself a Christian is in fact a priest of God. That's what the Bible says. So next time someone says, call me priest, say, well, you'll call me priest too. Because that's what it says in 1 Peter. We're a holy nation. We are a kingdom of priests that minister before God. That's what the Reformation was all about. That's what Martin Luther was all about. He came along and said, look, you take your Christianity with you wherever you go. Max Weber uses this common illustration, that of the cobbler or the shoemaker, hunched over his work, who devotes his entire effort to the praise of God. There's that cobbler making his shoes for the glory of God and doing the best job that he can because he wants to reflect the glory of God. That's the kind of Christianity, folks, that we need to live out and that we need to bring to the world. That's why Cross Church. That cobbler doing the best work that he can, careful not to cheat anybody, careful to give everybody a a, a fair deal. Can you imagine a society like that? Can you imagine a society where everybody acted like Jesus? I mean, I would go to, I'd go to a superstore again. Can you imagine in going for the line to, to, to check out? No, you go first. No, you go first. I mean, the only fights now at superstore, who gets to go first through the checkout? Oh, man. Who gets the last turkey in the freezer? No, you take that last freezer. No, you take it. Look, this is, this is, this is what we're talking about, people. But, but changing the fabric of a culture, the fabric of a society. That's why we're going over Burundi. That's why we're going to the Philippines. I'm so excited about that. We're bringing Jesus with us wherever we go. We're making a difference because Jesus called us to do that. Did some of you hear recently of the, the man who has been charged with drowning his daughters and his wife? because he didn't live according to his religion. It was an, an honor killing. We used to hear about that in other parts of the world. We didn't hear about that in Canada. Folks, listen to me. We could get really cynical and upset about immigration. I'm going to tell you this. This is an opportunity. The nations now are coming to us. You and I have been called by God to go to the nations. And I have, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that some of you have have the nations living right next door to you. God's called you to make a difference. And that's what this church is about. I, um, I'd like to ask you to stand with me, please.